to the quarter to three movie podcast for uh, Kelly Wan's choice for this month's three by three, your favorite taunts. My name is Tom Chick. To discuss our favorite taunts. I brought along Christian Malensky. Yeah, you can just uh, call me. Uh, my name is Bob. And with a taunt tagline, Kelly Wan, give us, give me a taunt and Dingus a taunt. We have Kelly Wan. Fuck you, Chick. All right, now give Dingus one. Ha ha, Kristen uh, Stewart's our brando. <laughs> <laughs> Already off to a great start. But before we have, have more of that, our favorite taunts from movies, uh, I want, let's talk about things that we saw this week. <laughs> How about I go first? I saw two movies yesterday, uh, in the last couple of days, that I really, really did not like. Uh, how would you guys feel about me telling you what they are, and then you guys choose which one I tell you about? Is that Okay. Sounds uh, like a great idea. Okay, because I, I don't want to like cheat and talk about both of them. I dare, I dare you to tell us about them. I dare you. Well, I already told you about one of them, Dingus. So one of the movies I saw is the Todd Solemn's movie called Wiener Dog. I finally saw oh. that. Didn't like it. The other movie Nobody I saw. Nobody likes it. Um, they're likable things. But the other movie I saw and didn't like, and I was thinking, what the hell is wrong with me? Because I was thinking, yeah, I probably would appreciate this. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. What? Terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it was. It, yeah, we knew that, but it just has a certain song. Well, well a right. bunch of, we've got a bunch of apologists for it. I, think I know. I thought I was. I thought I was one. I, I thought I would be a terrible apologist for it because I watched it again and I now refuse to apologize for it. Now, uh, kids die in it. It's awesome. A lot of kids die. Millions. It's great. Spoiler. Stonehenge. Right. Then should I Robo talk? Cop. All right, then we're talking about it because no, all that's st- it is so dated and like sure. I, I agree <laughs> that course. it's absurd. Like I love the absurdity of the script, and I'll give it that. But the director is so awful. It's a guy who has no idea what he's doing. The casting, Tom Atkins. I love the guy in Escape from New York, but he is not a leading man. And the chicks, actually two women, who are supposed to totally be into him, that doesn't get sold at all. Uh, mm. The villain guy, Dan O'Hurley, whatever his name <laughs> is, he's just Trouble ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is what I recognize him from. Behave yourselves! Right. Who's Tom Atkins? You wouldn't know Dingus because Chris, it's... Christopher Atkins. No, he's he very a much a John Snyder. Yeah, a John, John Carpenter guy. And he's, yeah, definitely a mustache dude. Prince of Darkness, The Fog. Did you see either of those, Dingus? No. Uh, Stupid question. Dingus, right. you know Escape from New York. So, uh, Lee, Lee Van... Ha- uh, that's no. true. Who's the cowboy guy? Lee Van... Who's Lee the, Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef, right. On the right track. He yeah. plays Hauk. His character's name is Hauk. Lee Van Cleef is the main, uh, like, boss guy who Snake works for, Kurt Russell. Mm. But his sidekick is a guy named Tom Atkins. So, do you have a vision in your head of who that is? Mm, no. Is, do, right. do, do, do any of those two people... I know who Lee Van Cleef is. Does anybody shoot the things into his neck? That's actually a uh, tech. A, doctor, a tech yeah. does that. Yeah, Dingus. So uh, not oh. even that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell him, guy. So, I, so Kelly Wand, I can appreciate just the weirdness of the script, and I do love the idea. I, you I love this idea. Anything that, yet to turn me against it? Remember the kid who gets out of his car and she's like, "Bobby, come." She says something dumb to him, the mob, and then he just flips her off and drives <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> that, hey, that was my favorite taunt, Dad You I just lo- stole my number one taunt. What no, was it? Not really. Uh, I mean that that stuff is weird. The whole idea it, of the masks is uh, is hilarious. Well, okay. Like, what do the what do the masks do, Kelly Wand? I, you know what? As a kid, 
it was terrifying to me that because it, it made so little sense. Right, and Kelly Wand, you're no like, longer you go, a kid. Oh, it makes right. no sense. Right, it's not scary. Dingus, but as a yeah. kid, it was really scary. Let's get Dingus in on this. Dingus, have you seen Halloween three season of the witch? Probably not. Oh, why not? Uh, I haven't. You know, actually, uh, you know, I was talking about seeing all the Hall- Halloween movies before we did the podcast. It's not about really a it. Halloween movie. And too. Josh, uh, the, uh, one of our listeners, Josh Lubliner, said season of the witch is the only podcast, uh, the only one you need to see. And I said, well, thanks for bringing up such a painful memory. That's one of the only podcasts we've lost is Season of the Witch. But I was talking about the Nicolas Cage one. Right. But Dan Winningham was a huge fan right, of no, it. Right, no, a lot of people love it. And like Kelly was saying, yeah. a lot of people are apologists for it because it's, it's so It's got to be but better than the Paul Rudd Halloween one. It's not a Halloween by... movie. Stop calling it that, first of all. It has oh, nothing to do. Yeah. Well, the what do you only... mean it's not a Halloween movie? Well, they so... are watching Halloween in it. Halloween exists in the mythos. Michael Myers oh, is not in it. This idea, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill had this idea that Halloween, after John Carpenter did John Carpenter direct Halloween 2 Kelly Wand no okay but after they did Halloween 2 John Carpenter was like sick of that and he had this idea with the woman with whom he produces that it would then become like a horror anthology right. and then each Halloween would be about something different so they gave this guy I, I think his name's like Tommy <laughs> Lee Wallace they gave this guy who's never really done anything I think he was probably like a friend of John Carpenter's they said hey let's do your Halloween movie and it's about an evil company that makes masks that magically kill kids or whatever and they're <laughs> they're selling the masks and they have the kids have to be summoned to watch a television commercial on Halloween yeah. evening uh, and that's what? the plot is if the kids yeah. wear the mask and sit in front of the TV it plays a Cheater subliminal chat. message that we don't know what it does and we'll get to that in a minute but so they had this idea that they would then, after this movie, do other kind of unrelated things. But this movie tanked because it's terrible. And so afterwards, it was all like, okay, we got to go back to the Michael Myers stuff. This is not anthology nonsense. Never mind that. It's not working. We're not doing it. Uh, I thought it was scary when I was a kid. Am I well, dumb? it freaked me out. So Kelly Wand, explain to Dingus, what do the masks do when they're triggered by the subliminal commercial? Okay, Dingus, picture this. So you just pretend this is happening to you and Kiernan, okay? There's three kinds of Halloween masks. One's like, and they go over your your entire head, and one's a jack-o'-lantern, and one's a skeleton, and one's a witch. There's only three. (laughs) An orange one, a white one, and a green one. So, okay, you've gone to a small town for some reason in Northern California, and a scientist who stole Stonehenge. You're telling him the whole story. No, tell him what the masks do. I know. Well, this happens right now. Okay, so the, so you've been you volunteered for this experiment, and so your kid puts on a mask, and then a commercial comes on, and, and what it just shows a, a jack o' lantern flashing off and on. It's not even orange; it's like black and white. No, it's orange. Uh, it's like a little computer. It's it's definitely color, and it's got the little uh, the the sh- shamrock. Is it Silver, Silver Shamrock. Shamrock. Right, it's got the little, uh, little ditty playing in the background, and it's an orange. That's the name of the mask pumpkin. company, Dingus. Right. So what happens? What happens if a kid is wearing the mask and watches the commercial, Kelly Wand? So, Dingus, picture how horrified you'd be if Kieran put on a mask. I don't know. And then he's watching the commercial because all the kids are going to get a reward. Although I'm not sure if it's different for East Coast or West Coast. Maybe it's just different time. But I guess uh, it's on all three networks, too. And if the kid watches the blinking pumpkin on the TV screen, a computer chip in the mask makes, uh, like... Uh, the, your head, the kid's head uh, melts, and then snakes nope. come out of it. And Giant snakes uh, and nope. scorpions. Nope. And if cockroaches. He, if he waits, he gets two ma- uh, marshmallows. Uh, crickets and regular-sized snakes. And I think there's supposed to be spiders, although I didn't see any in the... 
blood? I think the actual, no blood, nope. It just turns the child, depends on, so it, it, what it's supposed to do is turn the child into just a mass of snakes, and then the commercial, like, kills the adults, I guess they're, like, it explodes their, but, like, nothing physical happens, they just clutch their ears and die. Uh, but earlier in the that. movie, and here's what freaked me out, Kelly Wand, earlier in the movie, one of the women, uh, a woman who's selling the the masks because they, they're made at this one factory or as Kelly Wan mentioned, they've absconded with one of the rocks from Stonehenge and they're taking little bits of the rock from Stonehenge and they're implanting it in a computer chip in each mask. And one right. of the women who's distributing the masks, she's like a sales representative and she's got an extra uh. mask, she's messing around with the computer chip that she finds and it misfires. And what this is in the movie is it's just a dopey blue beam hits her in the face. And you can imagine the effects back in, you know, it, it's like the cheapest blue effect somebody like drew on the film or whatever. But then we cut to the woman after she's been hit in the face by the blue beam and she's replaced by a dummy. And this is one of those things that's, that you know, there's no CG. This freaked me out as a kid. Her, her It's like it's hit her in the mouth and shattered her mouth open and uh. a spider crawls out of it. <laughs> and it it also turns her head, her eyes like all buggy and bloody. Uh, it's just a weird effect of this gross face that was supposed to be this woman a moment ago, and a spider crawling out of it. The mask maker also uses an army of robots, Dingus. Oh yeah, I forgot about right, right. All the people are robots, and when you and hit the, the robots, girl character turns out to be a robot. No, nope, nope. <laughs> or she when, turns into one. Yeah, or no, well, they, she's been replaced they, by one. Yeah, exactly. They kidnap her and they replace her with a robot at the very. You know what, Kelly one? Maybe I am coming around her on earlier. This. <laughs> okay. Dude. Well, wait a Tom, minute. you suck for not liking it. <laughs> isn't there? You're isn't crazy. There a Japanese movie about like if you watch a videotape, you're gonna die or something. <sighs> yes, Dingus. That's a completely different mythos and involves ghosts, not robots or Stonehenge and Halloween and computer chips. Right. Jesus. This is way more I thought plausible. We explained it. Yeah. This is a God. So Kelly Wan, my Stupid issue really dingus. is it's just it's the direction is so clumsy. It's really a guy who's watched enough. I mean, at this point, there were just it's a couple. It's super of, gory. At this point, there were just a couple of John Carpenter movies, but it's this guy who's watched a John Carpenter movie or two and who's trying to do like the way John Carpenter would do a movie, but he's doing it with a ridiculous script that makes no sense with a terrible cast. I mean, everybody's just awful. No way. Yeah, even Tom. I love Tom Atkins in Escape from New York. I love the guy's mustache. Shut the mustache. fuck up, Tom. He's awesome. He's in awful. That movie. He's so what? awful. All right, so oh. here we we You're meet him. No, it's so terrible. It's so terrible. <laughs> John Carpenter you haven't said wrote one it, thing yet. Not I have. John John Carpenter turn me it. against it. John, what? John Carpenter wrote it. Oh, maybe he wrote. I don't know why he didn't direct it. Like, what's he busy doing? Uh, he didn't direct the second one. Rick Rosenthal or somebody like that directed it, but John Carpenter wrote the second one. I don't know who yeah, did Even it. Tommy Lee Wallace was like, Ugh. I think it's his script. Tommy Lee Wallace wrote it. I mean, I think it's his script, and he, he directed Lee it, Wallace. and he has no yeah. idea what he's doing as a director, and his cast is terrible. Otherwise, Kelly Wan, oh. I agree with you. The script is ridiculously, absurdly bad, and that's kind of entertaining, but you have to watch a bad movie to get through it. It, it opens with an old – here's another thing, Dingus. The town that the Silver Shamrock mask guy lives in, uh, like no one lives in it. It's like totally desolate except like a couple bums who are like, fuck that guy, the mask maker, and then robots come and kill the guy. Like I, he's lived there for years and then during the movie when the block calls for it, he's just like, man. Do you remember how the robots kill robots? him? 
<laughs> yeah, so they, they look squeeze like, out your eyes and twist off your head. They, they just you lift like, his head off of his body. Yeah, they're that strong. Do they look like yeah. metal robots or do they look like – They're like uh, d- dudes in suits. Yeah, they're dudes in suits with wooden expressions who – they have no facial expressions. Same. Yeah. That's why when, she ter- when she's replaced by a robot like the same day, I'm like, wait, he got – mask maker guy got her made a robot of her like in a couple hours on the off chance that she would escape with tom atkins boy are you smart that's what's so great about it tom is it makes no fucking sense and you know what that helps horror if horror doesn't make sense no, it it's doesn't like, <laughs> like, yeah it does no no it's the only genre you can say that about it's not it's, that it doesn't make sense it's that you don't have to answer everything horror that answers doesn't have to answer everything but horror that makes no sense is just like a david lynch movie hmm yeah, and those are scary too. Okay, fair enough. If and David also, Lynch, Kelly Wand, if David Lynch had directed Halloween three season season of the witch, I bet I would still like it. And you could keep the same script is the best. Yeah, part. no, totally. You and he would know script. better than to cast Tom Atkins and these other yahoos who couldn't act to save their lives. I'd love to watch it with him and then just hear him go. You know what this should have done? <laughs> right, right, exactly. The have David should have Lynch. been three centipedes. They <laughs> right. totally fucked it up. And no right. music there. All right, so, so Dingus, have we Tom. made you? Have we hey. made you want to see Halloween three season of the witch? Sadly, no. All right, made him think of the ring. Ugh. Dingus, what so did you? Is that what is? Is that the the videotape one? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, what's Which is in... even after the era of videotape, even when it was made. That's another funny thing. Is like the ghost uses videotape tech to haunt you in the in the two thousands instead of even a DVD. <laughs> All right, whatever. I'll shut up, Tom. Sorry. All right, what's the movie that, that you saw this week, Dingus? <laughs> Yeah, which Halloween movie did you watch? Did you watch the Paul Rudd one? <laughs> That's the one I don't remember seeing. I don't think I saw it, where he's one of the kids uh, older. There's like a cult. Michael Myers. I didn't see any Halloween that? movies this week. I actually went to see a movie called The Old Man and the Gun. Robert Redford, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Robert Redford. Which one did uh, Robert Redford play? Yes. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, my girlfriend, this is one of those things where my girlfriend said, we're just going to see a movie. I'm not telling you what movie we're going to see. We're just going to see it. That's Um, girlfriend speak. And and she's like, I want to, she wanted to see the movie with the the guy who was in The Old Man in the Boat, uh, which is how she talks about his other movie um, (laughs) that we really liked. Good title. The Old Man in the Boat. Uh, and so we went to see The Old Man and the Gun. And um, it's directed by somebody named David Lowry, also written by uh, written by David Lowry. It's based – actually, w- what's weird is it's based on a New Yorker article. Um, and Tom, am I, am I correct that uh, that adaptation is based on a New Yorker article or am I – just, uh, I think she wrote a novel first, and then the Orchid Thief. Or she wrote an article. Orchid Thief was an article, that, and she published it later as a novel, I believe. Her name's like Susan Orlean. Yeah. I can't remember. But I think it, it, it became a novel, but it might have been an article beforehand. All right. Uh, so it was it was weird to see, like based on a New Yorker article. Um, well, that pitch perfect, based on a Rolling Stone article. Uh, oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's you're right. I mean it. Uh, it and is, vacation. <laughs> Duel, uh, the Steven Spielberg movie. Pitch Perfect. Uh, pushing or Ten. Famous? Pushing Pitch ten. Perfect. Almost Famous. I don't know that it was based on an art. I mean, it's about Leslie. Halloween Bain's Three. Part, right? Time Magazine. Ah, uh, very good. Yeah, I read about it in Time Magazine. Um, uh, it's. 
Old Man and the Gun is a really, you know, it's it's a movie I feel guilty for liking. Um, There's a uh, term for that. If only I could remember the name of it. It's gotcha. Schadenfreude. Uh, I feel guilty for liking this movie because it's it's fairly light and um, uh, <laughs> all right. It, I, I don't know. Cause I, I, I'm used to seeing, especially at this time of year, I'm used to seeing heavier movies, um, and and used to putting when I, I, I had a friend who asked uh, this weird question of me. Um, he's an online friend who is uh, also a listener, who said, "Look, I, I need a couple of movie recommendations, but my wife only wants movies that." Um, are lighthearted and have a decent resolution, not an ambiguous resolution, a, a real clear, uh, uplifting resolution. And I went looking through all of the lists that I've done over the last several, many years, and in looking at all of my movie lists of top 10 movies of the year, because we do a top 10 show every year, uh, I realize a lot of the movies I like are just dark movies. I just tend to like watching dark movies, even even though I don't consider myself that dark a person. And Halloween so, 3 is right up your alley. Yeah, probably. Uh, so sometimes when I just see something that's kind of a, a, a bit lighter, I feel a little like... Or the or not when I see it when I when I think about going to it I think am I wasting my time going to this is it just going to be just this you know light dopey movie uh, I don't know why I I don't necessarily know why I feel that way uh, but I really really liked it, it was it, this movie hit me in just the right place uh, it, it it made me feel good about things um, it didn't uh, not De Niro uh, Robert Redford just plays this really likable guy who is I, 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 I'm not going to give away too much because I think you guys should see it I think um, you know uh, I think it's worth seeing I think it's a, a movie that's really worth seeing um, and it's really enjoyable to watch mainly because of the chemistry of the of two of the couples that are in the movie uh, so Robert Redford, um, who has famously just basically retired from acting, I think this is he, he claims this is the last movie he's going to do. I'd be surprised if that's actually the case. Um, and uh, he he meets uh, Sissy Spacek, and I haven't seen her in freaking years. And they're great together. They're really really great together. Uh, but even more so, um, Casey Affleck is in it with this woman named Tika Sumter, and I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know that I've seen her in anything, um, but, I, but there's just something about the two of them when they're in a room together. They're not even, they don't even have to try. It's one of those things. It's just a. It's just, you know, the, there's that that term chemistry, which is overused, I think, a lot sometimes when it comes to couples in movies. But there, it's just undeniable between the two of them. All they have to do is be in a room together. Uh, it's it's this it's this odd period piece uh, that combines the two of them, and they are so. 
they they have so much electricity and they don't they don't have to do a thing they do not have to do a thing so robert redford say sissy spacek and then um uh casey affleck and uh tika sumter those two couples sort of bookend the movie as far as relationships are concerned and it really really works because their chemistry is so good in a couple of different ways uh it's also really great to see uh, D- Danny Glover show up in something because I, I, I watched a bunch of uh, season two of Lethal Weapon and also to see Tom Waits show up in something. Um, it's weird. Uh, it, it's, it's just a movie that was utterly surprising to me but also a very light movie. <laughs> so... Uh, so the movie I saw this week was Old Man and the Gun. Did you see any of David Lowry's other movies? The thing where uh, Rooney Mara eats pie, a, a ghost story. <laughs> no, I have not seen anything else that that that, that person has done. And then he did another thing. I think Casey Affleck was in it called Ain't Them Body Saints, which I didn't care for. Oh no, no, uh, we were supposed to do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you kind of turned the switch on that, and I yeah, and I'm, crazy I'm not going to waste my time. I want to watch you eat pie. Well, you get to for about 15 minutes in Ghost Story. I'm in. Know? All right. Enjoy. It's a, it's, a, it's a famous scene, Kelly. It's like the tracking shot in Goodfellas, except the, the shot doesn't move, and Mara, Rooney Mara just sits there and eats a pie. Sounds like the gray, but better. How dare you? Uh, um, so well, offended. Good horror doesn't need to make sense. <laughs> she ate pie for 20 minutes, as far as I'm concerned. Kelly Wand, what's a movie that you saw this week? If I'd known we were going to talk about light movies, Dingus, I would have brought up uh, The Spy Who Dumped Me with Kate McKinnon, which I loved. Go ahead, Kelly Wand. Sorry, I had to get that in. Wait, uh, yeah, I want to see that. Thomas now mentioned three movies. I know, right? I'm running away with it. It's just so nice to see her get a whole movie. Go ahead, Kelly Wand. Um, yeah, I like her a lot. I like her in movies. I don't. It seems like she's in a movie. A lot of movies that I think suck, but she's always good in them. Right, and they don't give her enough time. Like she's an ancillary character. Well, uh, yeah, but, but I watched Falls Out. Not the case. What's Balls Out? Uh, it's like a parody of um, teen sports movies, but it's like flag football, and she's like the main character's like annoying girlfriend. That oh, she plays the friend, think. right? Well, like the she thinks she's cute as a girlfriend, but she's really annoying. Kate she's McKinnon, like, yeah, but she's she like is cute. I, no, I know. The, yeah, but the character is supposed to be annoying, so she does. She like talks with her mouth full a lot, and like I'm not sure that would work for me. I don't think that I could find Kate McKinnon annoying. Uh, she's not in it much because I think the movie agrees with you. Like, yeah, she's <laughs> too funny and right. <laughs> and the other girl's not in it either. She's just supposed to be normal. Right. Oh yeah, clearly she's. But yeah, if you put too much Kate McKinnon in it, she'll run away with it. Believe Spy me. Spy dummy. Right. Well, she should. She yeah, never right. seems to be. She's always part of ensembles. I'm yep. Curious. Not in Spy Who Dumped Me. Uh, not in Spy Dumped Me. All right. She's like it's so it's her. She's going McCarthy. Well, it's, no it's actually a buddy movie with her and Mila Kunis, and Mila Kunis is happy to play this. this well, Mila Kunis is actually kind of funny in it too, but uh, but there's a, there I don't there's almost no scenes without Kate McKinnon, which is one of the best things you can say about a Kate McKinnon movie. Yeah, very good, Tom. I yeah. like that. All right, Kelly, what did you see? If you can't be bothered to see Spy Who Dumped Me, and if Balls Out isn't worth talking about, mine's short. I just wanted to say, um, I finally saw yeah, American about the movie? Ultra. <laughs> Why? Ew. Well, you warned me off of it, and I'm, and I was like, 
I looked at the picture for it. I was like, <laughs> oh, in that case, um, sure. <laughs> here's what, for some reason I thought, and I think you even told me, no, dude, it's, that's not what it's about. But for some reason I thought it was about magic weed, like limitless. <laughs> that's what? why he was going to be an awesome assassin. And it was also under comedies. And that's another fucking weird thing. It's got zero jokes in it. There's no funny dialogue, and the uh, character's right. not funny. It, and it's it's the... super earnest, and yeah, you're supposed yeah. to be bummed. It doesn't even make sense, because she's supposed to be his handler, our Brando. And he <laughs> he's trying to go to Hawaii at the beginning, and he gets really sick, and then you find out later, oh, it's because they're trying to keep him safe. He can't leave the, the city because of his training or something. But she would know that, so why isn't she go? No, let's not go to Hawaii. Like she's posing as his girlfriend. Kelly, one comedies don't have to make sense. Oh, it's not a comedy, <laughs> dude. And I thought about it. I'm like, Max Landis has never written a joke. I was gonna say, you say it's not no a comedy, but I, I will bet you dollars to donuts, Max Landis thought he wrote a comedy. There's not a single joke in the movie. If you listen to the dial, and Walton Goggins is in it too, and he, he's not funny. He just laughs a lot, but he's, there's no reason for it. And he's called the laugher, which implies if you call someone the laugher, that means they laugh when they're not supposed to. You wouldn't call someone who just laughs at appropriate things the laugher. <laughs> so even Max Landis knows he's not funny. But yeah, it sucks. It's terrible. Yep. See? Fuck. See? Yeah. Uh, why isn't, was there, isn't there like a, a crazy action scene that's supposed to be like funny, like in a hardware store or something? Well, I, it's not funny. It's violent. Like, like it's like, oh, it's like Upgrade, but sh that's the thing. Right, Upgrade right. a lot of other movies since but isn't but it's it like a uh, shitty upgrade? But huh? I think that stuff is supposed to be kind of like funny and over the top. Like I think that's the kind of funny that's What's supposed the funny to be. Part? I mean, it's because he's a stone buffoon who's like being really badass with a spoon. Right. A, a, spo a stoned buffoon who's a super spy, Kelly Wan. That's funny. Uh, I know it has to. It needs execution. I agree. I agree. Either of the characters are fun. There's nothing funny in that. Maybe movie. next time you'll listen to me, Kelly Wan, and you'll watch Spy Who Dumped Me instead. With a spoon? It's, yeah. it's like an equalizer thing, like the equalizer in Home Depot, but instead... Or porn. Yeah. Yeah. Why a spoon, cousin? <laughs> uh, is that from Matrix or Stepfather? Gotcha! <laughs> I don't know what that means. American Ultra Dingus, don't watch that. Watch Halloween 3. All right. That, that's the one Tom doesn't understand. <laughs> Kelly Wong, quit, quit taunting me. Dude, you didn't watch it right. Did you watch it stoned? No. It's trying to segue, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I didn't watch it correct. Yeah. Watch Although, it either when you're ten and you haven't seen it, or stoned as an adult. There's wait, only two ways it, to watch Halloween three. When would it have come out? Like eighty two or 80, something? Yeah, maybe that's why. I so I must have been stoned when I saw it. Year. Yeah, I'm sure I saw it stoned when originally, and I remember too thinking. I was what, like a love it. So I remember watching it thinking, "What the hell is this?" Wait, you didn't see it as a kid at the theater? Cause no, I, I saw it as a kid. It would have been when I was in high school. Right? Uh, yeah, you're like two years older. Halloween or one. You're three. one or two. Uh, I'll be in 1982 because I was like 11. Oh, it's too much math. 16. Oh, dude, you're way too old for Halloween 3 by then. You're screwed. You were stoned at 16? I didn't get stoned till like, college. I was stoned through most of high school, yeah. Oh, well, high school's pretty dumb. I, uh, in your defense. Me, yeah. Uh, all right, so okay. Kelly, one. I was trying Sorry. to segue when I said stop taunting me about Halloween three. <laughs> yeah, because speaking right, well, of taunts, Kelly, one. Oh, but I can explain it. Yeah, right? tell us what the three by three is. All right, what you're about to do right now yes. is describe your three favorite taunts <laughs> in movies. 
All right, I will start. No, Dingus, you start because you're introducing next month's uh, 3 by 3 So give us your third favorite taunt in a movie. All right, here's a quote from it. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Oh, wait. Is that a taunt, though? I guess it's a taunt. Or is it just, like, tough coaching? Wow, Kelly Wan, the 3 by 3 police out in force wow. early. It doesn't sound very... Haunting. All right, Diggis, you better you better convince him. Let's see how this. Oh, goes. I know what it is. No, wait, he's right. He's right. It's Matrix, right? Yeah, it's the Matrix. And so, uh, what? Um, Good what nature Morpheus, taunting. <laughs> what Morpheus is doing is he's he's taunting Neo. Yeah. In a way to make him come out of his shell, to make him understand his power, and to make him understand what the Matrix is and and how things work. And that whole scene in the in the dojo there, uh, stop trying to hit me and hit me. Come, he's he's constantly trying to get him to come at him, and to understand that he's faster than he thinks he is. And do you really think that's air you're breathing? The, he's he's trying to get him to get beyond what what his brain is used to as far as the world is concerned so this is a different kind of taunt this isn't like an enemy taunting or a bad guy taunting a good guy to come and fight him or a good guy taunting a bad guy to come and fight him to zen cone as taunt right it's 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 two good guys and it's a it's it's a man training somebody but he's taunting him as part of his lesson so you're pressed by the function yeah, I'm. I'm impressed by. I'm. I really like the idea, and I. I, I was trying to think of different ways to play this, but I didn't really succeed very well. Um, but I really like the this idea of the of the good guy saying to the other good guy, uh, you know, why are you being so weak? You're faster than this. You're better than this. Uh, you you got to hit me. You come on. And then he keeps hitting him. He keeps hitting him back. He keeps knocking him down over and over again. And then he says, come on, come at me, bro. Are you going to come at me or not? You've got the power to do this. Then do it. If not, why are we here? I mean, it's. I just love that whole sequence. I love that whole Matrix sequence. And I could watch that that dojo sequence again and again and again and again. I love the way it plays out. And I love the way it's intercut. I love the way it's edited as far as the way the the – uh, the rest of the crew are watching the footage um, as it transpired. Uh, you know, even even the way they they sprint out of the uh, the mess, the, their little mess hall when uh, when uh, the the little guy I forget what his name is Mole or something when he says mouse uh, mouse thank you mouse uh, when he, cable when he says that um, that uh, Morpheus is fighting Neo and. Uh, switch jumps over the table. Yeah, she oh, jumps. She jumps. 60. She jumps over the table to run to to see because they all want to run to see what's going to happen because everybody thinks Neo is the one, but Neo doesn't quite understand that yet. I mean, it's the basic Messiah story. Uh, he doesn't just doesn't understand that he has that power. And one of the tactics that Morpheus uses as his mentor is to bring him out of his shell by taunting him by saying. You know, stop trying to hit me and hit me. Come on, can you do this or not? Do you still think that's air you're breathing? That's to me the that's the good taunt to me. Is do you think that's air you're breathing? Because it's well, specific it, to the Matrix and it's a total yeah. like you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Do Do you not understand where you are? Do you not yeah, get they, it yet? I mean, you're supposed to be the one. Like, huh, but 
but he, I mean, Morpheus basically understands that Neo can't quite grasp it yet, but he's taunting him to bring him out of it because he understands how Neo works. Uh, so I love, I, I just love that, that the way that Morpheus pulls Neo out, uh, out of his shell. Uh, and makes him understand what the Matrix is. I like the idea that you're breathing in the Matrix, but it's not air. And that's what Morpheus is telling us. To. He's giving yeah. us a little scientific insight. Yeah. So because he's they're they're get they're out of breath in a simulator. They're, yeah. Yeah. No. They are breathing air outside. Whatever. But but the fact that he's that he's he's winded is the point it's like right. you don't need to be winded at this point you can you can fly you can jump over buildings you can do Sitting all of these chair. other things you can bend the rules there's no spoon here uh, do you still think that's air you're breathing means do you still think you're even breathing uh, i mean he's he's laying out all of these things and he's he's telling him this is a completely different thing that you have any idea about but he's doing it and one of the one of the lessons one of the ways he uses this is by taunting him and and sometimes teachers or mentors do that they they will taunt a student or uh break down a student in a way uh, in order to in order to build them back up um with 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 power and compassion and and the things that morpheus does because he believes in neo uh, so I, I just love that. I, I love that whole scene. That that scene in the dojo is is one of my favorite scenes. And I, I just – it's one of those things that I can just watch again and again and again. I just love that thing. All right, Matrix. I think it's his third favorite taunt. <laughs> yep. I thought, I thought you were just going to go with a little hand flip because that's really all you need from that scene. There's oh, like yeah. 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 Uh, so what I tried to do, I, I, I kind of fail. Uh, so I just was thinking – of like really cool scenes from movies that you guys probably wouldn't know that I enjoyed but I couldn't so for my number three I really just kind of punted um I love in Withnail and I when they're in the bar there's like a <laughs> I don't know if he's Scottish or he's like Midlands or something but there's a there's a really loudish drunk big English guy who sidles up to the urinal next to Paul McGann when he's when he's taking a leak and uh and Paul McGann has previously spilled cologne on him when they're at the apartment and they're doing their shenanigans. And so this big old English guy just says, Ponce, perfumed Ponce. And I don't know what a Ponce is. I have no idea what that means. I think, I think it's, it's a gay person. Does he say, he oh. says it before he even goes into the urinal, though. I think he says it when he's outside the bathroom well, it's, as it's, he's it, going in. Oh, right, as they pass, right? Well, then the guy comes in and, and pees with him, and, and Paul McGann's internal monologue oh. is... Because uh, he's, he's reading graffiti about so and so fucks arses, and then he's he's thinking, does this guy fuck arses? He's like <laughs> he's scared of him, he's terrified of that guy. And then later on, uh, well, after he comes out of the bathroom, the big loudish guy confronts them, and Richard E. Grant is like, I assure you, if you have any issue with this man, he's no friend of mine. Like he doesn't stand up for him. He says it has nothing to do with me. You can take it outside yeah. with him. <laughs> like, I have a heart condition. <laughs> right? Yes, exactly. It'll be murder. Exactly, Dingus. Right. But just perfumed ponce. Just that. I think that might be the guy's only line. <laughs> Ponce perfumed Ponce. Zemo was British. That's what he says. I'll murder the. I think he says I'll kill the two of you or something like that. Ah, that yeah, because that sounds very more Scottish or more Midlands or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, there's my third favorite taunt is perfumed Ponce. Uh, Kelly, one. I'm a little. I didn't realize it meant like a gay person. So now I'm not as amused by it. Uh, oh, because it's a homo. I didn't realize it was a slur. slur. Like I didn't know like if a Ponce. Because I. Do you know what a a pommy is? 
No, I don't. It's what you call someone from the UK or Australia, and it stands for Prisoner of Mother England. And, and oh. it's like funny. You call somebody a Pommy if they're Australian because they're still part of the royalty. England is in charge of them. Uh, so I thought Ponce might have been something like that that I just didn't understand, but now it's not as humorous. I mean, oh, well. Ponce aren't I quite... related to tomatoes. Is, is, the, is there a tomato connection there? Well, uh, fry, well that's, I... what they're, that's what they call fries here. Oh. Pommes. Um, Pomfrey. Yeah. So, all right, Kelly Wand, what is your third favorite taunt in a movie? Also, taunts don't need to make sense, Tom. Uh, <laughs> well, I had it's a true. hard time, like when I was looking at all of the different things, because because this is a pretty rich topic. But I was also yeah. thinking about insults, and what's the difference between a taunt? And I would an have insult? got it's fine. <laughs> They're pretty close. I, I, well, so I considering think it, what you're doing, I would have definitely got with insults too. I think the taunt is something that's designed to provoke and elicit a response. You can insult someone yeah. behind their back. Like I can tell Kelly Wand. That uh, dingus, you're a perfumed punts. That's not taunting you if you're not there. If I tell you, I am insulting right, you, you and I'm also the... taunting you. So yeah. a taunt is something that you do directly to right. a person to provoke a response. An insult is just saying something mean about them. To, but but it, you can say something mean to somebody and not intend to provoke a response. But I think the taunt is intended to provoke something, provoke a response. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So. But you can call someone like. I mean, if you call someone a pussy, like no one hates vaginas, so, so like it's not a uh, it's not a linear map. What do we say? Didn't Venom call? Uh, yeah, because he wouldn't take because he took dip. the elevator instead of falling. Yeah, so that was in in Venom. That was one of the taunts. Was what? Uh, because he wouldn't, because uh, Tom Hardy wouldn't, uh, they were coming down off the skyscraper, and Tom Hardy wouldn't uh, just fall and let Venom take care of him. So there's a scene of him waiting for the elevator, and Venom, doesn't Venom go pussy? Yeah, uh, but that's not a taunt, that's that's an insult, because it's already happened. He's not yeah, he's, trying to incite him to do anything. Provoking a response, he's supposed to say, no, I'm not, and then cry. Oh, that's what that's Venom knows No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to call him a pussy. Right. That's what <laughs> Venom, what you did alien the being is thinking. Way better, Tom, yeah. Tom I'm going to refer to him as... <laughs> Tom got the Venom voice. <laughs> yeah. Good work, Tom. Um, I just went with ones that made me laugh and that I would think later about being cool. So, um... And, uh... Super Troopers? Oh, God. Oh, I already hate this one. Why did you watch a Super Troopers movie, first of all? Um, well, I go by the line. Like, you can have, you can watch a movie with one great line in it and the rest of it's shitty. But did you watch a Super Troopers movie? Yeah. Oh, the old one, not the new one. This is from old Super Troopers. I, didn't, I did not realize there was a distinction there. All right. The second one, and they're both poorly reviewed and then became cult classics, except ah. for the second. Kelly Wan, Super Trooper movies don't have to make sense. That's a good point. Well, okay, that's true, and that's interesting you say that because it's a barely it's barely audible in the movie, the line. It's like the you can barely hear the audio, you have to really pay attention to hear right. it. They're watching a kid's soccer game and uh, there's like a redneck watching it who's talking to one of the main characters in the movie and he has like a cotton candy in his hand and there's like a soccer dad behind him like an extra or not I mean an extra with lines whatever that's called an extra with lines I think it's called 
He's like, buddy, can you move the fucking cotton candy now, please? And the guy's like, shut up, shut your fucking pie hole. And then he keeps talking to the other guy. Like, it's like, he's like a cop off duty, and the other guy's a sheriff. So they're like taunting each other. And then they just talk about how stupid their lives are or something or argue. And then finally, the soccer dad's like, put that gigantic cotton candy down. And then the redneck takes the cotton candy and like shoves it on top of his head like upside down and like dunks him and he's all how's the view from sugar mountain bitch <laughs> wow <laughs> and you can't hear it you have to really pay attention and i'm like that's pretty funny that's a good time how's the you view think, from sugar mountain <laughs> yeah, you think they would make that an audible line somebody yeah and he's that. not a yeah it's barely audible and it's like it's the asshole character who says it so he's being witty in my opinion <laughs> so the villain of the movie gets the how's the view from sugar mountain bitch Diggis, you have but, questions about that. Well, yeah. Super troopers. I have so many questions. <laughs> As in, do I have to watch this movie? No. All right. There's some other good taunts in it, and it, but it's like, I if that scene's coming, I'm gonna go. I want to hear if they if it's really that hard to hear, and every time you have to really strain. Also, when Rob Schneider is naked in uh, Deuce Bigelow. Wait, are you like doing? A, you just did two. No, no, I'm saying it's another line where you can't really hear the explanation or something. Right. Or you can't hear the line. <laughs> like, yeah, the reason he's naked is because something about the fish or something. some specific reason. Something about the fish. Yeah, something about chemicals in the fish. So he has to be oh, naked. Oh, you in. just made me think of another one. Interesting. But not a taunt, just like a, bar- an, a line that should have been easier to hear. Okay. Well, you made me think of a taunt. Anyway. No, no, good. I'm glad. Is, is it your, your number two favorite taunt, Dingus? No, he, he may be. It, it is now. Yeah. Dingus picks no. taunts that are like self-improving or improving for the other person. Like, hey, I'm going to taunt you to victory. All right. So that, let's see if the list continues in that vein. Here we go. Go. Uh, is it my turn now? Yeah. <laughs> Super All troopers. Right. second favorite taunt uh, has this quote in it I I don't think you guys are familiar with this movie so I don't know that you're going to really pick up on the quote but um, uh, here's here's a quote from it if you won't turn to the dark side perhaps she will (laughs) yours are so retarded (laughs) the Matrix and Star Wars taunt Jesus I can't believe it and yet I shouldn't be surprised so of course this is uh, a character <laughs> named Darth Vader um, uh, Tom, Tom help me are, are you surprised what <laughs> let's let's hear him out Kelly Wand it might be a really good time I'm really know. shocked right now but alright when he you cuts were... off the hands a better taunt you damn fool alright you looking nerf herder is pretty good too yeah well, maybe I'll maybe I'll convert your sister to evil. Ah, that's not a good taunt. Well, well, All right, that right. whole scene, that whole scene in the <laughs> in the in the emperor's chamber, uh, where the emperor first of all taunts him by saying, "You want this?" Uh, and that's better has, too. <laughs> all your yeah. sublim- all your secondary taunts are better than your that's headlines. Fine with me. I don't, I don't care about that. But you're not taunting but, correctly. But. Uh, this is because the the reason I choose this one is because of the personal relationship. I mean, uh, the emperor is just being a dick, but uh, but Lucas said, "I won't fight you, father. I will not fight you." And so his father, his father, wanting to 
retain his position at the side of the emperor in his position of power as trying to pull Luke out so that they can rule the universe together. Tom, you did this list correctly, just to clarify. (laughs) I'm not just sitting here. I still got two more to go. I I could pick. Now, you go, oh, that's a memorable taunt and wrote it down. Dingus. Okay, please continue. (laughs) This is a memorable taunt. I don't know why you're. The Jedi? Of all the Star Wars movies with taunts in them. Damn you. All right. Why do you hate Richard Marquand so much? Because he's the fucking Tommy Lee Wallace of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> or the Rick Rose. So, so anyway, I mean, Darth Darth Vader is 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 trying to draw <laughs> draw his son out to fight him because his son says, "I won't fight you. I feel the good in you. I feel the." And conflict. Luke's an idiot and thinking about Leah. That's the tots. Like you're so. Well, dumb. of course he is. He's just found out. <laughs> That's that some Jedi Knight skill there. I can't think about the one thing. He doesn't know how to disguise his feelings in that way, and and Be a Jedi Knight. His, his feelings have betrayed him, and uh, Obi Wan was wise to hide her from him, uh, and he just now. This is the first time that Darth Vader has figured out. Oh, you you've got a twin sister. Great. Uh, well, if you won't turn to the dark side, perhaps you will. And he's not doing that necessarily and it to, backfires. To, to just to threaten him, but he's doing him to he's doing it to say, look, I can tell you have strong feelings for her. Um, and if if you're not going to do what I want, then I'll just get her to do it. And now I forget and, how to fight. And then Luke beats him. It's retarded. Well, he unleashes Luke's anger. Uh, so the taunt works. I mean, the taunt works, but it works against him, and it eventually works against the emperor as well. But we don't understand how that all that is going to play out. Uh, but it, it's definitely a taunt to get Luke to say to get Luke to fight him because he wants Luke to fight him. He wants he wants to have that conflict happen between the two of them, and he causes that to happen by threatening. He's essentially threatening the soul or the life of his twin sister. So the context. Uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, he's threatening. It's always your. He's threatening his sister. He's threatening his daughter. His daughter. He's threatening Luke's sister, and he's and he's saying to Luke, "Well, if you won't fight me, then I'll just go get her." And she and I will rule your. Tom, I'm really Whatever. hurting right now. Why is this so painful for you? Why is that? Why? Why is this bad? Because this it's makes not a, perfect sense. I don't know. I was looking forward to this time as exciting taunts, like oh, great lines from movies, and you went with stuff that's like, dude, Luke's sister could have turned evil. Oh, what? The taunt's it, not the point. <laughs> with that, all right. The taunt. Like, it, the taunt makes that happen. Uh, what don't you understand about that scene? Because it's he, just because it's not like he thought of a cool taunt. He read Luke's mind and went, "Oh, Leah's a Jedi. All right, way to go, dumbass." Which yeah, almost and, is a better taunt than what he and really he, said. And instead of <laughs> instead of responding in the way that a father would respond, he taunted his son to say, "I'm going to corrupt your sister if you don't fight me." See, I mean, that's not a good taunt. I'm going to corrupt your sister. I don't know. <laughs> that's, you don't that's fight what me. That's what taunt is. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> I'm just saying it's you not a. Uh, he gets yeah. to fight him. 
Um, I think I'm just reacting to it as dialogue. Like, I just don't like the movie, and that's fine. No, no, but... no. I also don't like the movie, but... <laughs> Kelly but... Wan, maybe it's that you just don't have a sister, so you can't understand. Imagine if Luke maybe. had a brother, because you have a brother, say. This is the very definition of a taunt. What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's, a, it's a taunt, but it's not... A, it's one of the least good taunts. I don't yeah, know. Dingus, would you ever use it on someone else yeah, would you uh, say in the that? playground? Yeah, would you would go, you oh, I'm going gonna, gonna to pwn that motherfucker. <laughs> I don't I'm going to corrupt your sister if you don't fight me. <laughs> I, I'm not the kind of person who would taunt anybody, so I can't answer that question. That's why you're, you're having just... trouble with this, baby. <laughs> I'm not having trouble with it. These are perfectly cromulent. What's wrong with you? You're taunting Kelly Wand now, dingus. Yeah, come at What's me. wrong with you? That's not a good taunt either. There's a lot of things wrong <laughs> say, with me. Say something that makes sense. Uh, That's good. I like that. There you go. Now you're learning, dingus. Now that's you're learning. Well yeah. yeah. All right, my, my yeah. second favorite taunt. Let's let's talk about other movies from that era. Do you guys <laughs> did you see the uh, the DOA remake with Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan? Yes, I kind of like it for some. Yeah, I, no, I do too. I do too. It's super dated, but I like it. Do you guys remember? So it's, it's from it's from the well. It's also it's stolen. Like it's from the the, yeah, yeah. the noir movie. Yeah, where the guy is poisoned and he's got 24 hours to figure out who poisoned him. Yeah. Uh, and back then, by the way, it was super cool. There's no last minute, oh, I've got yeah. the antidote, I'm fine. And so to this movie's credit, the same thing happens in this DOA. Do you guys remember what Dennis Quaid's job is in that movie? He's a teacher. He's a professor. Great yep. writing teacher. He's a exactly. Yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's an English teacher. Uh, and at a certain point, there is a one of the thugs, because it's a noir movie, and there, he's uncovering a crime, and one of the characters he meets a couple of times is a really snootish, snooty, like, English guy, but who's a, is a tough thug. He's, like, a really big guy, and he's got a mean face, and he's defending... Uh, one of the people that is going to be implicated in what turns out to be a murder. And there's, there's a point near the end of the movie where Dennis Quaid is confronting someone else, saying, hey, what you thought was a suicide, that was a murder. And he's telling this woman that. And this thug, who's there, who's party to this murder, and who doesn't want it uncovered, says, I don't like what you're inferring. <laughs> and Dennis Quaid's response is, I think what you mean is implying. When I say right. something, that's implying. <laughs> How you take it, that's inferring. Yeah. I love that he's an English teacher, and that's his – like it's set up that he's an English teacher, yeah. and he pones the guy by correcting his English. Yeah. I just, and I always wanted to be in a moment like that where somebody's like bullying me, and they get the word inferring or implying wrong, and then I could correct them. That was just like a great – it's a great Mary Sue moment for those of us who care about words. I really love that too because the inferring implying thing bothers me a great deal but it's it's become one of those things where in popular usage it's just smooth. Wait, why why would people confuse I mean it's you'd have to be a dumb thug to, to confuse that. Why would it's, people confuse it's that? the way the the way literally is used now it's just it's smoothed over. I don't like it. I understand I I like the difference between implying and inferring. Yeah. I don't like what you're referring about the English language. Yeah. By the way, do you guys remember where it gets Dennis Quaid? This is probably more scary. So the, the I, I did, yeah, I didn't remember this. So I, I remember the reason that the guy murders him, and it's super dumb. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, like, I, but so uh, after Dennis Quaid says, when I say something that's implying how you take it, that's inferring. The thug says. Yeah. Infer this and punches him in the stomach. <laughs> See, dingus. Ah, very good. That's a taunt. 
Yeah, that's a taunt. It's a taunt off. <laughs> but he kind of lo- like he has a moral victory. He wins the battle but loses the war. Yeah, he wins on words but loses on fists. Right, exactly. Well, that's the it, age old uh, strife. Yeah, Kelly won. Lost, what did, yeah, you've lost on fists many times, Kelly. I've, I've did, uh, won two fights out of ninety. Oh, I wasn't talking about <laughs> fighting. Oh, I like you. See, that's not a taunt, but it's really good. It's a good piece of dialogue. Should write down for our next topic. <laughs> be best All right, this. Kelly Wan, we need to know your second favorite taunt, maybe from a Star Wars movie. This one is from Magnum Force, and um... <laughs> is that where the guy rides the motorcycle in the post-apocalypse. That, which Dirty Harry is? That? Is that the it's Dirty? It's the second oh, oh. Dirty Harry with Hutch in it as one of the evil cops. Ah. It's like got bad bad cops in it who kill. They make. They even give Dirty Harry the chills. Like, you guys are fucking sick. And Hutch is one of them. Although he kind of he kind of scopes them early on because he he sees how how awesomely they shoot. And he kind of is like, hey man, you guys want to hang out? That's really good. Uh, this party. Uh. Anyway, so there's another subplot where there's like some mafia guys that he's just trying to fuck with for no reason. And so Dirty Harry and his reluctant black friend uh, tail mafia guys and then they follow him under the freeway and then he drives past him and then cuts him off and then flags him down and then makes him park beside him on the freeway <laughs> and then he's all excuse me uh we're lost you know the in- way to the entrance to san quentin and then the mafia guys are like yeah it's back there don't you see good and then dirty harry goes yeah, I see. Fine. I just want to know if you knew where San Quentin was. <laughs> and you do, don't you, asshole? And then he drives off. But it's like it's so good the way he says asshole, and then just fucking peels out. And so my brother and I to this day will like still use that. I like, like happy birthday, asshole. <laughs> oh, that's so, lovely. Yeah, Magnum Force. That's my second favorite taunt in motion picture. Hey, Dingus. What's your favorite taunt from all of moviedom? Under delivery right. theme. So I apologize for using science fiction ones for my first two. Uh, uh, my uh, number one choice is. Um, oh god. <laughs> if it's fucking. Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> if it's Eraserhead crying, I'll go with it. I'll accept that. If it's what? Eraserhead's baby crying. I mean, Eraserhead doesn't cry. Beyond that. Uh, here's a quote from it. I'll see if you guys can get it. This is Admiral Kirk. We tried it. What's your way, Khan? Care for a rematch? Khan, I'm laughing at the superior intellect. The Star Trek with Benedict Cumberbatch as, as James Khan. New. I'm laughing at your superior intellect is the taught. Yep. So, what's happening... That's number one? <laughs> No. I don't even think you got your orders right of those three. <laughs> Orpheus. Why, are Why are you being so difficult with me this time? Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with your weird choices. I'm outraged by all three of them. <laughs> I know, because they're, they're perfect. It's no personal attack. It's, yeah, I, there's no shocked. super troopers in here. I should, I, should, I should have chosen super troopers. See, you're going by the movie, how you feel about the movie. That's, how I think, that's where I think you went wrong on this. I'm that's going by I'm the book. <laughs> all right. You read the novelization of Star Trek II and <laughs> Superior Intellect. What was it? So uh, the Enterprise uh, is limping into 
Tom, what would you call the nebula? Uh, the Minbari Nebula. The Minbari Nebula. Very yep. good. Minbari Dynasty. Thank you. Awesome. I can't wait for Markinson to comment on how you pronounced Minbari. Minbari. Nari. Mary Martha Marcy Nebula. May, May Marlabula. Uh, so <laughs> it's it's going into the nebula because it's going to be able to be uh, it's going to be protected from the Reliant, which is what Khan has taken over and is flying. And um, Khan's first in command uh, says, "We're not going to fly in there because our shields will be useless." Uh, and when uh, when Spock, who is operating the console, figures out, "Hey, they're they're backing off. They're they're not following us in here." Um, what Kirk is trying to do is lure him in so that so that basically the uh, the odds are even. Uh, the Enterprise has been horribly disabled by what by Khan's surprise attack early on in the movie. Uh, it 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 can't fight at the level that the Reliant can fight at. Uh, so he's trying to lure them into the nebula so that they can fight. Uh, more on an even playing field and uh, he really wants to be able to get him to follow him in there and in order to be able to do that he has to kind of mess with Khan a little bit and he's already done this a little bit earlier but here's where he really does it And, and this is where he you know Khan's one of Khan's things is that he's just a malignant narcissist. He's uh, he is a product of this Superman genetic technology that uh, that created him and his followers, and he's always hated Kirk because Kirk beat him, you know, during the television show. So uh, as they head into the Matara Nebula, Tom, uh, as they head into the Matara Nebula. Uh, and they find out the Reliant is backing off uh, and, he, and he's told this, Kirk gets on the comm and says you know we did it once your way to con, didn't work out so well wanna try mine? I'm laughing at the superior ne- intellect because he, cause Khan is supposed to be so superior and Kirk is not supposed to be able to beat him so He's just basically saying to him, look, uh, I'm lesser than you, and I'm kicking your ass, and I'm kind of laughing at you right now. And this is this is the basic sort of uh, the a, a guy calling another guy a chicken. Uh, he's saying, you know, he's saying you're, you're just not as smart as you think you are, I'm afraid. And Khan can't stand that. And plus, this is the this is the that. This is the moment of like Moby Dick and the whale getting to talk to each other. Essentially, uh, this is this is that moment of 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 him getting to say, you know, from hell, start I stab at thee. Yeah, exactly. That's a good talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, so, that is. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know now what I did was. I feel like you had to explain all three of them, which makes them not as good. Like if you got when Khan goes from Hell's Heart, I stab at thee. We go, oh yeah, like that'll apply to any situation. Wait, Khan actually says that in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I thought you were like making a compa- 
He actually said, oh, good lord. Well, when I was thinking it and saying it, I was thinking of Ahab taunting Moby Dick. But right, Moby I know. Yeah, I well, thought Moby Dick countermeant. Right. Yeah. But Dingus overlooked the Melville quote and went. Does with he also tell? Like, does he also tell Kirk that Kirk vexes him? That's a horrible taunt. <laughs> I mean, like a just a. I would cry for weeks if someone said that. That's actually not a taunt. That's just part of a, his uh, opening. It's part of his talking about the whale, vexing him. Kelly, like, nobody uses taunt. the word vex anymore. So anytime the word vex comes yeah. up, it's usually uh, a Moby Dick reference. Kelly chose taunts and suggested secondary taunts that you thought were better yeah but i mean i guess i take taunting more seriously like i have guess, theories about guess what it. just happened farted <laughs> you sharted nope you just came up with a different number one no, no changing dingus you gotta stick with what you no got. no no i've i picked very carefully but... i would have even gone with nonverbal taunts like i was expecting that that's like, what I thought oh, the, the Matrix you'll, thing you'll was. You'll figure it out. Yeah. 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 So anyway, there you go. All right, so my favorite... Kelly just doesn't like any of my picks. I don't no. know what his problem is with me. So it's anyway. Okay. Nothing with you. You like your Matrix. Part. You're a beautiful man. I just don't think you know what a good taunt is. I feel like you would lose a taunt uh, more. And I'm trying I to think... taunt you into... I'm trying to whiplash you as my Miles Teller into... Being angry. Guess what I did? Look, I, I'm going to corrupt your sister, I guess. If you, I, uh, I got you to pick the better taunts in each one of those. So here we yeah, go. Yeah, I know. That's why. That. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, because it would be weird if I didn't see the movie. I go, oh, I just don't get. But like, I don't know. Like a good taunt should make you go, ooh. Right. Yeah, and I got you to pick the better one in each case. Ooh, Hell's Heart stabs at you. Ooh. <laughs> All right, well, I got a taunt that'll make you go, ooh. Uh, it's unfor- It's from a movie that's not very good, and this is one of the reasons. But I love this scene so much. So um, it, it, one of my favorite – I don't like the movie The Strangers at all, but I love the way that The Strangers opens. There's a guy – it's uh, Liv Tyler and a guy named Scott Speedman, who I think is just a terrible actor. Yes. So I, what I love about the opening of The Strangers is it opens with them leaving a party – a we- or a wedding, I think, where he has proposed to her, and she said no. <laughs> and and I love that the, the, the Strangers opens with Scott Speedman having gotten shot down, because I love seeing, like, super good-looking, handsome, suave, actory dudes getting shot down plausibly in movies. So I love yeah. that in the beginning. Haha, she's not going to marry you, suck it. But then they... Some serial killers stalk them, and they end up getting together, and they sort of reconcile before they die. So it works out for them in the end. But this is like that. I love Bradley Cooper so much, and I'm super psyched about seeing Stars Born next week. However, I'm sure Bradley Cooper, and there's a great episode of Between Two Ferns where he and Zach Galifianakis, where Zach Galifianakis (laughs) is clearly taunting him, saying, you know, you've had everything handed to you in your life. You can't just coast through your life on your looks. And this is clearly like a conversation that they've had before as friends and talking, and they play it up in this Between Two Ferns bit. So there's a movie with Bradley Cooper called Case 39. And Case 39 opens with uh, Renee Zellweger as a child social services worker. And her boss comes up to her desk. And I, I think I've told you guys about bits of this before. But her boss comes up to her desk in the beginning of the movie. And he says, uh, 
hey, how many how many cases do you got? And she says, 38. And, he, and he's like, okay, well, I need you to work on this one too. And he throws the folder on her desk, and she's like, oh, I have too much work. And they never actually say the title, but we know this is her 39th case, you see. So the movie is called Case 39. And the case is about uh, there's a young actress named Jodell Furland who almost ah. single-handedly uh, drove the movie Tideland, which a lot of yeah. people don't like, but I think is one of Terry Gilliam's uh, underappreciated uh, movies. Because it's basically this young girl, Jodell Furland must have been uh, like eight or nine or something when they shot this. It's it's about her, like so much of it is just her being with herself and being a little crazy and creating this imaginative world in her mind. And she carries a Terry Gilliam movie. And that's not easy to do. Like, Robin Williams couldn't even do that. And this little girl carries Tideland. So Jodell Furland, and she's now grown up and she's doing science fiction in Canada, and it's kind of sad to see. She's a really great actress. And in Case 39, she's this little girl, and it's it's, she's super young. It might have even been before Tideland. Uh, she's like a cute little monkey. She's like a little tiny girl. Uh, she, her parents don't like her, and uh, her grades are failing at school. So she's the 39th case that Renee Zellweger has to go investigate. And Renee Zellweger finds out that, yeah, there's something weird with her parents, and eventually her parents try to lock her in an oven and turn it on and kill her. Uh. But fortunately... Renee Zellweger, with some friends, she rescues the little girl, and she agrees to be the little girl's foster mom until she can find another home. So what we then find out, this movie becomes kind of like Orphan, where there's something wrong with this little girl, and there's something weird going on with her. And maybe her parents trying to kill her, you know, maybe it's like an omen thing, and spoiler, it does turn out she's a demon. Like she's a little, she's a crazy evil demon in a little girl body. So as Renee Zellweger starts to find out, there's something weird in this with this little girl. Earlier in the movie, we've established that Bradley Cooper, who's a, a child psychologist who she sometimes work with, works with, and he really likes her. He wants to go out on a date with her, but she won't go out with him. But he's Bradley Cooper, and so he keeps trying, and he's super <laughs> suave. And, you know, I'd go out with the dude. Fine, I can understand. But no, Renee Zellweger, she holds out. So she says to Bradley Cooper, look, I've got this case, this little girl here, and I feel there's something off with her. Can you uh, sit down with her? And, and just sort of run through the normal child psychology bits. And Bradley Cooper's like, yeah, sure, I'd be, I'd be happy to do that for you. Because he's a super nice, understanding guy. So what follows is a scene with Jodell Furland. At this point, we don't know that she's a demon. She's just some weird little girl who there's something insidious about her. Sitting down with Bradley Cooper as a child psychologist who has done this a million times. And he's given her a little test to fill out. And when they sit down... Uh, he wants to ask her about some of the answers she had on the test, where she says that she's not afraid of the dark and she's not afraid of being alone. And he says to her, you know, a lot of people are scared of these things. Uh, it, it says here that they don't; these things don't scare you. So what I'd like to know, what are things that do scare you? And she says to him, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what scares me if you first tell me what scares you. And so he says, okay, and he tells her a story about when he was a kid and he got stung by bees. And he says that, and so now I'm scared of bees. Now let's talk about you. And later, by the way, she will make, she will kill him with bees, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but so, so he she, he says to her, "What scares Ooh. you?" And, right? Yeah. But this, he says, "What scares you?" And she says, "Me." And he says, "You scare yourself." And she says, "Sometimes." He says, "Why? What about yourself scares you?" And she says, "I have bad thoughts." And he says, "Oh, about what?" She says, "People." And he says, well, okay, people in general or certain people? Because he thinks he's onto something. She's going to start talking about her parents. And she says, certain people. And he says, like who? 
And she says, you? And he says, well, you, you have bad thoughts about me. And she just nods. And he's clearly flummoxed by this. He didn't think it was going that way because he's just met her. Yeah. And he says, why? And she says, I just do. And he still, he doesn't quite know what to make of this. So he says, well, did I, did I, did I say something or do something that upset you? Because he's Bradley Cooper, child psychologist, and he's right. very understanding. And yeah. he knows to lead with questions. So he says, did I say or do something to upset you? And she says, oh, it's just the way you are. <laughs> and he, he says, well, uh, he's a, he's, how am I? And she says, facile. It's just, but, wow. Facile? Do, do you even know what that means? And she says, easily comprehended, often lacking sincerity or depth. You're smug, too. Want me to tell you what that means? Oh. <laughs> and that's like the end of the scene. And then she then hands him his, the little test and has him answer a question about, are you scared of things? And he says, well, no, I'm not scared. And she says, well, maybe you should be. And then she reverts into little girl form. But I love that... Uh, where yeah. she defines it's again an English thing where she defines facile yeah. because he thinks this little girl doesn't know what facile means and she's right there with the definition it's like imply and infer how old and is she, she again she's got to be like she's under 10 like she's a little tiny okay, monkey okay. of a girl so a little kid like, saying, er, right. totally little kid saying like early Chloe Moritz Grace age yeah. like a little cute monkey girl uh, and it, and that she then rolls out smug as well because Bradley Cooper I, I I believe that about him, and I believe that he is yeah. insecure as a person about people thinking that he is facile and smug. Yeah. Uh, which I and I just find that adorable in that scene. Uh, it's like so, when the re- retarded extras in the SNL skit told Affleck, "Yeah, people don't like movies where it's people dating in real life." <laughs> Wait, what? If you're dating in real life, uh, they don't. People won't oh. see the movie, and then they and they just list Shanghai Surprise, and then just like list like ten or eleven. And Affleck's right, right. trying not to break character because it's just getting annihilated, like, retarded. But imagine Jeez. with Bradley Cooper and like Ben Affleck deserves yeah. to have that. Bradley Cooper, I like him, and I, I you know I, I don't want a little demon girl to kill him with bees, but it was certainly fun seeing him thinking he has the upper hand in this situation and she just jujitsus it around on him. When Bradley Cooper was starting out, he went to Scientology meetings for his career. Ooh, is he Scient- a Scientologist? No, he's a failed Scientologist. Okay. He didn't get in, but he tried. Because he's, he's got a little tiny part in this, and like he, like Bradley Cooper, like you find him in a bunch of like, uh, like pre-blockbuster stuff. It's surprising how much little horror movies and stuff that he did. Uh, he's been all over. Wet Hot American Summer, brah. Comedy doesn't need to make sense. Right, Midnight Meat Club. Oh, what's that? It's the thing with the. Uh, it's a Clyde Barker thing with the oh, guy. Oh, Midnight Meat uh, Train. Vinny... Oh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's not a club. It's a train. Right, right, exactly. Because that's him as well. Yeah. That slip means something. They all mean something. Right. right. You're thinking of a club. Kelly, what? I need to know your favorite. You're facile. Taunt. Yeah, what? What is that? Do you even know what that means? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know what smug means. That's where I would have gotten her back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Kelly, so one cool your ten favorite taunt in all movies. Uh, okay, I kind of did a little bit of a dingus here, uh, and I say that no, in a good way, like, uh, like where I see what he was trying to do. So I did right. that. <clears throat> this is a quote. Hey, woman! Hey, woman! Listen here. Since your old man here ain't got no heart, maybe you like to see a real man. I bet you stay up late at night dreaming you had a real man, don't you? I tell you what, bring your pretty little self over to my apartment tonight, and I'll show you a real man. <laughs> so that, of course, is the character Mr. T uh, as Clubber Lang. Um, <laughs> he uh, speaks only in taunts throughout the movie, 
but I like that particular one um, because Wait, it what has... movie? Clubber Lang is the name of a movie? No, that's no, the name of Mr. T's character, character in Rocky Three. Rocky. Yeah. Oh. The dingus angle is like that's the line. Rocky's gonna retire from fighting, but when Mr. T hits on Adrian, he's like, "All right, bitch!" It's like, and then they set up the fight. Like that's the thing that drives him over the edge. So it's the taunt that broke Rocky's right because it's at right. the statue unveiling ceremony. So it's really bad taste. Um, but I everything felt like all those boxers and MMA guys are supposed to know better. Like, like they know better Rocky. than to not let taunts get to them. Uh, well, and also. They're, like it's a press conference where they're showing the Rocky statue and Rocky's giving a speech and they let this angry black dude like just come up and like start saying whatever he wants to the guy they're honoring at the thing. Like there's no security like, all right, all right. And it's not Locked even a Q&A and a that he's doing? No, that. he just comes out of the crowd and then the fight's set up and then Burgess Meredith's like, you're a disgrace to the sport. And then Mr. T's like, shut up, old man. Like he just like they let Mr. T just say whatever he wants, and then he gets to fight him. But my favorite thing in that taunt is the word apartment, because it's like he's saying that he lives in an apartment, and like <laughs> he's angry throughout the movie. So you have to picture Mr. T, his life is he's in his apartment and just screaming at his appliances alone, like shut up, fool, like just yelling at shit. So uh, like, I like that as a script, Kelly Wand. I would have liked if Adrian had taken him up on it. But I noticed that in the Creed and um, Rocky Six movies, Mr. T never comes in and goes, yeah, all right, I've learned my lesson. Like, he never comes back. So I'm curious where he is. But, is Mr. T still alive? Yeah. Okay. But they were on such bad terms in Rocky Three. I think the implication, or the inference, if you will, is that, um, <laughs> you know... They've said too much, like, it's too much water under the bridge. We'll never be friends. Like, they really hate each other. Right. So that's why Rocky. Is is Cut the Jibber Jabber, is that, a, is that a taunt? Yeah, but doesn't he say that on A-Team? Yeah. That's that's more of a straight-up request, Dingus. Oh, that's a request. Yeah. Shut up, fool. Uh, when the woman taunted Tom with Mr. T-Talk. She wasn't talking. Wait, no. Yeah, right. But then the audience applauded me for maintaining calm and a and a and a peaceful viewing experience for their, for their movie. Okay, going. I think the audience was also taunting you, but <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, Wand, what do the there. listeners think about taunts? <sighs> I'm sorry, Dingus. I really like you. I, just feel I like, like you too a lot. Mason Masteca. Hello, quarter to three crew. I only have one taunt, but this taunt is one of the greatest taunts ever put to film. It was also my introduction to Sarah Silverman. It's the post-pulp fiction Tarantino-esque volley of pure vulgarity in the opening scene of the 2000 film The Way of the Gun. Yeah, and look where it gets her. <laughs> Sarah Silverman's character doesn't start the exchange, but she goes from zero to where... The she begins with this. Hey, dickless, get off the fucking car. Hey, fucks up, get your slippery fucking ass off the car. Listen to me, get off the fucking car with your fucking ass. There she goes into a diatribe about intercourse with infants, genital dismemberment, sexual intercourse between her boyfriend and the main characters. Her boyfriend clearly wants no part in this, but ends up playing <laughs> along, adding his own winning line to the pile. I'm going to whip you silly, and I'm going to fuck you stupid. All this culminates in Ryan Philippe's character punching Silverman in the nose. Then all hell breaks loose. It's two and a half minute visceral roller coaster ride that the rest of the movie struggles to live up to. I honestly couldn't think of any other movie taunts that come close to this. Hugs and high fives to you all, Mason. 
How come Christopher McQuarrie didn't bring any of that touch to the last Mission Impossible? But it would be silly and fuck you stupid. You didn't get any of that dialogue in that movie. Huh. See, that works as a taunt or as a pass. Or as, or as a come on. Yeah, as a flirtation. It's a good yeah. for. Um, a lot of Halloween mail. <laughs> Showed up late, I guess. <laughs> Brian Becker writes, hey guys, I went with three nonverbal tots. Number three, Men in Black, 19, 1997, director Barry Sonnenfeld. Agent J tots the alien bug monster by stomping on cockroaches he serendipitously released from a dumpster that the giant roach knocked him into. While most people might remember the scene for Will Smith's line, was that your auntie? I prefer, or does he say auntie? I prefer the giant, the great piece of advice he offers at the end. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. See Dingus? That's yeah, what Mater should have said to Luke. I agree, yeah. Glengarry Glenn Ross. Ah, see, anything from Glengarry Glenn Ross. It's wall to wall. See, I was thinking about uh, Nebraska taunts, too. That woman. Uh, while the coffee is for closer speech given by Alec Baldwin is arguably a seven minute taunt, and it's certainly filled with a lot of great verbal taunts, the second item on my list is when Ed Harris asks why Baldwin is bothering with a bunch of nobodies like them. Instead of answering, Baldwin deposits his incredibly expensive watch on Harris's desk and continues his monologue, only collecting his watch and answering Harris's question after he finishes. Leaving a watch that costs more than a car under Ed Harris's nose is arguably what sets him off to go through <laughs> with the burglary plan. I like uh, also Fuck You Is My Name. That's me saying that. Number one, Harry Curie. 1962, director Masaki Kobayashi. Well, this movie's complicated. What's important for the purposes of this list is to know the E clan. Did old broken down Ronan Sugumo Hanashiro? <laughs> I know what's happening. It's extremely <laughs> dirty. I mean, grandpa movies. They're right. After a conversation with the senior clan official on the nature of honor, Sugumo <laughs> deserved apology that he does not get. He responds by throwing out the top dots of the clan's three best swordsmen. See picture below, podcast listeners, showing he had earlier defeated them in combat, not only individually taunting those samurai by removing their top knot instead of killing them. So it's a guy holding up, uh, or throwing them onto the sand. Throwing ponytails onto the sand. Showing that he defeated them in combat. Not only individually taunting those samurai by removing their top knot instead of killing them, Sugumo. There's a there's a T at the start of that. Taunts the entire and at the word taunt. Taunts the entire clan by showing their best warriors did not do the honorable thing of committing the titular ritual suicide as was required after being defeated by. Proving samurai honor is nothing but a facade. See Dingus. See. One verbal honorable mention: Pan's Labyrinth. The vicious Captain Vidal. A man obsessed with his father is captured by the very rebels that he was hunting. While delivering a message to be given to his newborn baby, the rebel leader tells him, no, he won't even know your name before shooting him. Speed round. I expect you to die, Goldfinger. I never liked it. Again, we see there's nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. Raiders. <laughs> and nothing to do with all that strength, Dark Knight. Um, okay... Josh Lubliner writes, only two this time. Plenty of great insults in movies, but taunts are a bit more specific. You have to be trying to get someone to do something for it to be a taunt. 
thing. It's what Dingus is saying. Number two, you've managed to kill just about everyone else, but like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. <laughs> you've got Genesis, but you don't have me. If you're going to kill me, Con, you're going to have to come down here. You're going to have to come down here. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother describing the scene because I know Dingus already picked this. <laughs> But notice he picked a different one, Dingus. I'm just saying. I told you there, were, there was a one earlier. I, I'm fine with that. You have to come down here. Yeah. Number one. Warriors come out and play yay. Why the heck is this scene from the Warriors so memorable almost 40 years later? That guy banging the bottles together with his fingers? Okay, until next month. Markardson. Hey guys, I'm going to exclude Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill because Kelly <laughs> Here's some recent older taunts that I really like. Number three, one nothing, come and get me. And Watchman Rorschach taunts big figure after forcing the crime boss to cut the hands off one of his henchmen. That's good. Two, Warriors come out to play. Movie Warriors. Number one, Chris Markinson's number one is Con, I'm laughing at the superior intellect As usual, Dingus can speak to this pig better than I ever could Thanks guys, Chris Alright, so we ended with the little Dingus Con (laughs) To Markinson's Canadian-ness Alright, well Dingus wins The uh, listener I didn't know we were going to be scored (laughs) Well, the listeners, if one if one wins the most votes, doesn't that isn't that the is this a game? <laughs> is this a competition? We need to have like an electoral college. Superior intellect is the best taught according to the polling that predicted <laughs> Hillary Clinton would be president. So there you go. Cool. Hooray! Alternates from Dingus and Tom Chick. So I was just gonna like I didn't want to like I was just gonna like pick some of my favorite movies and choose things, but rather than do that. Uh, I highlighted movies that I didn't think people would know. So, of course, uh, in Jaws, I love that when Hooper, Quint has told him to, uh, I forget what I, I forget what Quint told him to do, but he's bossing Hooper around on the orca, and Hooper, at a certain point, just gets fed up with it and does all these like facial taunts when Quint isn't looking, by the way, <laughs> but he's kind of doing it for the the, the benefit because he knows Brody has seen him do it. And one of the things he does is that thing where you stick your fingers in your mouth yeah. and pull your lips apart. Yeah. But he does it wearing Fiendish. gloves. Yeah, yeah. That, and these gloves he's been, like, cutting fish and stuff with. Yeah. And I remember thinking, ew, don't do that thing where you stick your fingers in your mouth to taunt because now you're just, you're just poning yourself. No, it's part I of the st- taunt. He's like, I'm manly too, bitch. I can wear I'm putting chum in my mouth. Gross, fishy, chum-fingered gloves in your mouth? Okay. Fuck you. That's how much I hate you, Quint. But Quint doesn't even see that. Like, he's doing that. He's spiting himself, and and Quint isn't even seeing it. Like, Quint has turned around and couldn't care less. Well, the implication, like, this is what your face looks like, so your face has rotten fish in it, just like mine is right now. This is how you look, fool. And it's also very much a a Dreyfusism, too. Like, it's very much Richard Dreyfus being... But the paper cup's a good time, also. Because it's like, that's how stupid your... Impressing thing to me is you're a fucking uh, yeah okay all right macho point. man because yeah. yeah. he sees him do it too right right yeah well I, I also think it's like he can't I don't is it a taunt or is it just he has no no other response at that point like he's well, just seeing Quint <laughs> yeah 
Like, he's got to live... Like, Quint is basically looking at him and saying, you know, pussy. Like, what what else is he going to do? I guess you're right. It is kind of facetious. I like how Indiana Jones taunts the swordsman. <laughs> but anyway. But he doesn't. He just shoots... Oh, right, right. I see what you're well, saying. Well, it's right. a cool last thing for that guy to think. Like, oh, what? Uh, <laughs> I thought I was in a swordsman movie. Uh, and then I love in uh, Fury Road, uh, one of the, the Immortan Joe's wives is... Uh, I think it's Abby Lee... Uh, it calls him when, when uh, Immortan Joe is pulled up alongside him and he's got his gun out and the pregnant wife who Immortan Joe especially loves she puts herself in front of the other wives to shield them and so Immortan Joe can't shoot him and Abby Lee leans around her and yells the word and I don't know if this is a real word I don't know if George Miller made it up uh, but she yells the word slanger at Immortan <laughs> Joe <laughs> which is really I don't know what it means, but it, it, it might be like Ponce, where I probably shouldn't do Or a placeholder, like a manly handshake ensues. Could be. And George Could Miller be. destroyed it, and like, i got to write a cool period piece insult. But uh, Abby Lee yelling slanger. Slanger. It's a, a great taunt, yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Dingus, what runners up to Sounds you? mean. All right, so um, uh, this is a weird taunt at the end of the movie Seven. Um, where basically uh, John Doe is getting um, Brad Pitt's character <laughs> to kill him by uh, kind of slowly telling him what he's done to do with the man's wife. And, That's Kevin Spacey, right? Yeah. So, uh, so there's that. I, I like that as a weird kind of... Wait, what's he uh, say? Uh-huh. Look what's in the box. Uh yeah, your head your wife's head is in a box. He, uh-huh. he's I, I visit her. I tried to, to I tried to act like a married man would act or a normal man would act. Um instead all I could take was her pretty little head. And then and then he talks about the baby and he goes, Oh, he doesn't know. And what he's what he's trying to That's do what good. he's doing is taunting him to finish his work. Because if if Brad Pitt doesn't kill him, then then his work isn't finished, and his work is to get all of the uh, the seven sins uh, or whatever they are uh, completed. And the last one is is of course rage or wrath, but he has to taunt Brad Pitt into doing that. And Morgan Freeman tries to stop this from happening, but he's able to to taunt him into doing it. Um, uh, right, so, way to spoil the ending of seven for everyone. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> there's there's also an, another subtle. It's, this isn't so subtle. This is a few good men, and and this is Tom Cruise getting uh, Jack Nicholson's character to tell the truth. You know, basically, he know he he the the problem with the script, uh, as much as I love the script and as much as I love the movie, is uh, is that thing that I think Roger Ebert probably said initially is that we're going to tell you what's going to happen we're going to show you what happened and that's what happened uh and it's just him saying he wants to tell the truth when he's with uh when he's with Demi Moore and Kevin Pollack um and they're and they're trying to plan the final cross-examination of Jack Nicholson's character and uh and he understands that all he has to do is is pull him out enough so that he will tell exactly what happened uh, so it's a little convenient but I still love it because it's so gratifying it's just a gratifying movie to watch um, 
I, I think the other ones I'll probably just put in uh, uh, put in thread because I've got a I've, I've got a bunch. I loved this topic, Kelly. Uh, there's there's just a bunch in here that I really really liked, but I I couldn't always uh, separate like. You know, when in Princess Bride, when he's talking about to the pain, is that an insult or is that a taunt? Uh, I don't know. And in Sexy Beast, when he's saying, uh, um, yes, 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 it, when, he's, when he's trying to get him to come to do right. the job, is he taunting right. him or is he just threatening him? Is it an insult, a threat, or a taunt? So I had a hard time with some of those things. Both. So I'll talk, I don't know. About, I'm not I'll a... talk about some of that in the thread. So I've got, I've got a bunch of them. Uh, like, I just loved I loved this topic, Kelly. I absolutely loved it. Any runners it, up for you, Kelly Wand? Uh, the only one I was uh, I really wanted to do one. I like the old woman in Nebraska, the mom when she's at the graveyard and she raises her skirt at a grave at gravestone and she's all, "This is what you could have had if you didn't talk about wheat so much." That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like gravestone taunts in movies and in life. <laughs> I love the idea. Oh, like, oh, the, one the ultimate, like, ha ha, I'm alive and you're not. I outlived you. Suck it. <laughs> the one you made me think of was was the you, you talked about fish at some point when we were talking. Uh, you made me think of a fish called Wanda, and it's like, oh, there's some great ones coming to kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a taunt. There's shitloads of taunt. Yeah, and Kevin Klein and John Cleese taunt the fuck out of each other. Yeah, they hate each other. There's a lot of hating in that movie. Yeah, it's good. So that's, what you made, that's what you made me think of earlier. Yeah. All right, Dingus, what is next uh, month's topic? What do you have for us? We have a month to think about what? All right, so um, you you brought up a movie called uh, DOA? I did, yeah. yes, Dead uh-huh. on Arrival. All right. Ryan. So uh, there, there's a line in that movie that uh and i i had i had something else in mind to bring this up but but you bringing the i hadn't even thought about this but you bringing it up tonight made me think of this line uh as an example of what to use for this particular topic and the line is uh publisher perish which is used in the movie more than once right do you remember that line? uh probably with daniel stern like when he's talking to his his teacher buddy i think well, it's Dennis Quaid, right? No? Right, but Daniel Stern is his sidekick, like is his, the other teacher that he has a bunch of scenes with about. And so one of the things that he does is, is he he plagiarizes a student's work uh, because uh, the the professor, to keep his job, it has to publish or perish. That's but the best book dead, I've ever so... read. That's so dumb. <laughs> No. Is that good? Really? Right. So, so it's just a go line, with it, Kelly Wand. Yeah, it's right. a line that's repeated at least once, maybe twice. So, this is your favorite repeated lines within a movie. Kelly Wand, do you have any questions about this? Repeated lines within a movie. So they have to say it at least twice. Yeah, it, it, the the line has to be repeated within the movie. What about I have a bad feeling about this, where it's like repeated every. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's a catchphrase. That's everybody's going to use that one, um, but yeah, it's along those lines. It has to be uh, the same movie because they only say it once a movie. Yeah, within the same movie. Within the same movie. 
<laughs> so it can't be like Bond, James Bond, for instance, or shaken, not stirred. Well, the word Bond's right. repeated. No, no, it's a repeated line within the same movie, and they're and, and you what know. if they say it in the title song and then later in the movie? No, as long as it's uh, if it's Lady Gaga, then you're fine. Ugh. Uh, if you're listening oh, and you're like, oh yeah, I know a great repeated line. I love it when Han Solo says, I got a bad feeling about this. Tell him let, <laughs> let us know by sending an email to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com. But take your time. We only need that. We don't need this until uh, November 26th at midnight Pacific. And then we'll record the podcast and read your choices on the air. We'll remind you throughout the month. Uh, in the meantime, Kelly Wan, what is it that you demanded that we see next week for the podcast? Halloween 3 season of the witch. <laughs> well, since we already talked about that today, I'm afraid we're going to have to pick something else. What should it be? Um, uh, anything but uh, I would say we could watch First Man, Goosebumps 2, uh, Night School. I've heard it's really good. I don't, I don't um, think we could watch either of those. Uh, <laughs> We could do more thoughts on bad times at the El Royale. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll be seeing Star is Born, oh not the original God. one. Not the olden <laughs> times one. There might even be two of them, right? We're going to see the most recent one oh my with uh, Bradley Cooper, who's afraid of bees, and uh, Lady Gaga, <laughs> who I think uses a real name. Oh, my fucking right? God. Kelly Wan, come on. What's the it problem? Could... If your girlfriend gets more famous, who gives a shit? Well, stop spoiling things. Some what? Some haven't seen... I have never seen a stars, but you know what? We'll talk. We'll get into this in the podcast. If you're listening <laughs> and you see or have seen a star is born, talk about a most, statute of limitations. Jeez. The most recent one. Uh, send your thoughts to three x three at quarter to three dot com by November fifth, midnight Pacific, and we will include those in the podcast. <laughs> it's actually a statue of limitations. Literally. I, I am Tom Chick. I've been here with. Christian Moransky. It's Christian Moransky. And Kelly Wand. Because I watched Under Siege 2 Dark Territory, German Netflix recommends The Lorax. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees when I'm caught in between counting. One, two, three, feet apart, not free, getting down with three feet, everybody loves old Jason Bateman's always typecast as a man who's annoyed that he's in a Jason Bateman. Never send a human to do a machine's job. Never send a human to do a robot's job. That should have been Neil Armstrong's first thing when he jumped. I'd prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. I respect Fred Krueger because he doesn't need a mask. He wants you to know that his face is burned. Did you call him Fred? Are you out of your Vulcan mind? Oh, see? Is that how Kirk Thompson and the Chris Pine one? I mean, Chris Hemsworth one? <laughs> Chris Pine. <laughs>